welcome to ye old podcast about thrones. I, Amos of Winterfell, am here with Jenny of Toth and Richard of the Riverlands. Hello, you two. Hello. I don't have a voice. I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't have a fake voice. Oh, to well, use. I'm, I'm not going to maintain a voice. I just had to throw you. Okay, off good. To start with, I was not prepared at all for that. But, <laughs> um, but the Riverlands. I and the Riverlands. We are well. Yeah, yeah. And and, and now you're starting to learn what the Riverlands is about. Currently, it's yeah. about a lot of death. <laughs> yeah, it, there's some weird shit going on there. How have you guys been, and uh, how has your 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 journey in th- the land of thrones been? Loving it. Um, good. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, my data plan for words is almost up this month. <laughs> we are in day three yes. of the month in which we're recording. I don't want to tell you. <laughs> Okay, so a lot of we, we we end up with another pair of episodes that, that pairs really well and tells kind of a cohesive bit of story. Um, yeah. Episodes three and four of the second season, and uh, it kicks off in Craster's Keep with uh, with John. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, I I don't know. I I felt like I was somehow uh, lost right away although i i i did you know we're we're back in we're back in weirdland right we're back with the guy who uh marries his daughters and uh found that people were i don't even remember what he found it was so long ago but <laughs> he he's pissed at someone and he kicks them out he's like you got to get out of here and now everybody's trying to figure out, okay, how do we save face, get out of here, not get ourselves killed? And it was just a really bizarre situation. Yeah. He, I, he caught John spying on him, giving one of his sons off to a blue-eyed person. And that's right. They, He's sacrificing the sons. Right. And Craster is telling everybody, get out. And then, of course, old man Mormont says, you know, has, a, has his word, words with John and kind of kind of puts John in his place as they're packing up and and basically tells John and I thought this was really interesting he tells John things are different north of the wall we play by their rules even though their rules don't make sense to us and that was kind of a, a almost a, a learning point I want to call, call it a turning point but it's definitely a learning point for John yeah i mean Poor Jon Snow gets everything he ever wanted. You're going north of the wall, son! And he's so excited. And then the first Airbnb he stays at, they're literally (laughs) sacrificing babies to to blue ice gods. That is like an immediate, like, low rating on Airbnb. You're one star in that one. (laughs) Yeah, and it's like... a. A city during a convention, like there's not a lot of other bed real estate around, so mm. you just have to suck it up with the baby murdering uh, sacrificer who also like, oh, I don't even want to talk about. It. I'm so marries glad and has daughters yep. with his daughters. That's what I wanted to avoid talking about. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Right there. Yep. 
So, you know, it was, however, an interesting social lesson, right? I mean, it's not wrong that you don't understand how things are done here. Mm-hmm. And we can't interfere. This is how this is. This is not our world. That's that's not that crazy of life advice, really. Totally. And I totally respect that, except when it comes to leaving babies in the snow for ice monsters. <laughs> I, t- I, will, I will give you if that. If it's happening to someone <laughs> under age 18, I will call the ice cops. <laughs> the, the ice cops, yeah. Uh, that might have been the ice cops taken away. You don't know. That, that could have been the That's ice true. child services. Exactly. Um, so that, that kind of goes down very poorly for John. And then we cut to Winterfell and Bran having another one of his dreams. In this dream, he's basically looking through the eyes of his direwolf up until the point where his direwolf jumps on his bed and wakes him up, and he wakes up looking at his direwolf. And then he, of course, asks Master Lewin about it, and Master Lewin basically says, it's a dream, it means nothing. And here's another... another, There's so many things in here that I missed the first time, and this is another one. Uh, Maester Lewin's link, he has a Valerian link. He says only one out of 100 maesters carry because they studied the old magics, the old spells, and the old world. How how odd is it that one out of 100 maesters carries this Valerian link on his chain and he happens to be at Winterfell where all this possibly magical stuff is going on? I imagine that that's why he's there. Right. They are the closest to like geographically to the old mysteries. So I feel like like that he was sent there. Also, like you got to be a pretty good maester to put up with like the North people. (laughs) There's some dedication that goes on there. Yeah, I think so. Also, I'm thinking as a newbie. I am missing so fucking much. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Don't worry Seriously, about it. Let what? it flow over you like the plot points <laughs> in the wire. Don't worry like, about it. If I had to watch this without your guidance, I don't know that I would be anywhere near as informed as I am. So I hope all of you listening are appreciating this. <laughs> um, yeah. What did you What did you think about the dream, Richard? I, it, you know, it was just it was yet another one of Bronze dreams. And quite frankly, I'm getting tired of them. Because it's, and I, I know this is brand, yeah, It's yeah. technically brand, and I brand, only say that brand, because there is sorry, a brawn. Because there is a brawn, and I was <laughs> totally confusing them. I'm sorry. Yes, you're right. So, Bran has these dreams every once in a while, and they're always weird, and they're always highly symbolic, but you don't understand the symbolism yet. And I, they're they're starting to kind of blend together for me, okay. and it's hard for me to keep track of them. Or understand the symbolism. And I'm excited, eager, anticipatory of the day when I see, oh, that's what he was actually envisioning. Mm. But so far, I have not seen that. So, uh, you know. Right, because you're about two and a half seasons from that coming to fruition in any way, shape, or form. Oh, my God. It's what, like watching Doctor Who. <laughs> Not wrong. Um, okay, and then then we cut to one of my favorite things, and that's battle scenes. There's there's all kinds of great battles. Like like I mentioned in the first season, the first couple fights just seemed 
really poorly choreographed and they weren't very practiced and the, you know, the actors didn't seem very comfortable, but now we're getting to the point where they're, you know, the, the money has started to roll in. So they started increasing the production value, the practice time. And we get introduced to two of my favorite characters in the series, in the same scene, Brienne of Tarth mm-hmm. and Mar- Marjorie Tyrell. Love these ladies. Oh my gosh, yes. Just just the character, the character development, and how they own their characters. It's so amazing. Richard, remember when you were confused? Or like, why is Jenny calling herself Jenny of Tarth? Yeah. This is why. <laughs> okay. All right. This That's why. Good. That's Super tall, blonde, ass kicker. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's good. All right. Well, yeah. And, and you're right. The, there, there are definitely some better scenes in here, you know, uh, in terms of battle. And you're, the one thing that struck me that you mentioned about the first season was how they're really just kind of scrapping to put it together. I I probably wouldn't have noticed that if you hadn't mentioned that. But going into this season, it doesn't seem like budget is an issue anymore. Right. <laughs> right? It, like, it, it's, it's it, obvious to me because you mentioned it. HBO has fully signed on to them making this happen, however <laughs> it's supposed to happen at this point. Yeah, this early, yes. Um, and... This is uh, this is uh, Brienne of Tarth in, in a battle. She wins the battle. She wants to be uh, part of Renly's Night's Guard, um, which pisses off Renly's boyfriend because he wanted to be Night's Guard and he's the one that got defeated by a girl. So there's like you know, a, a, a gay guy getting defeated by a girl is still pissed off that he got defeated by a girl. This is one of those little little storylines in within the story that. I found very, very entertaining reading the books and then watching the series. Just the way that I it found plays it bizarre. Out. Like I didn't take him to be uh I don't know, a warrior to be taken seriously. <laughs> I don't know why. But I didn't. And that's not like bashing on him as the gay guy, right? Because I mean me. But I, I, I don't understand I, I just that's really surprised me that he just suddenly showed all this jealousy. Mm. I think it is gender and sexual preference non-related. How about that? I, I right. mean, it's it's a little gender related because Brianna's, I think that, all right, let me put it this way. The operative dynamic here is that a, a man is pissed off that he got his arse handed to him by a lady. And whatever is the, the, the preference or orientation feels less relevant but i'm not the expert i just to me to me as a lady i see it as uh uh, like don't ever beat a man at his what he thinks is his game i just found it really bizarre that what is in theory his boyfriend was all bent out of shape that this incredibly manly woman beat him it was just such an odd dynamic and that's and and she admits she more or less admits don't i mean she says don't call me lady (laughs) you know and i love that i i actually love that 
there's a uh, there's a certain masculinity and power in Brienne's character that as we go through the story, and this is something I want you to actually pay attention to, Richard. As we go through the story, the her femininity comes out, and it's actually what 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 seems to be her her strong masculine side now is actually this very well guarded, very heavily shielded, and very tender uh, feminine side that will it, it has to like the the character has to develop to allow that to happen. But it's she'll transition, and it's it's great to see that transition happen in relation to another character and how they develop. It's, it's great, but she starts out, she starts out just iron faced and rock solid. And it's really the way that her character develops through it is, is great. Uh, There's so much about this story is character development. It's, it blows my mind that there's so many characters and they all develop so well. (laughs) Um, so after after this, after there's a bunch of stuff going on at in Renly's camp, um, it cuts back to Casterly Rock, where Sansa is again playing her role. <laughs> um, in, in this case, this is I believe this is one where uh, Joffrey is pissed off that that uh, Rob has won another battle and he's trying to take it out on Sansa, and practically strips her nude before. Uh, Tyrion comes in, barges in, and says, "No, no, 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 no! That's not the way you're going to treat your future wife." And kind of, you know, puts it back at him, which then Joffrey turns back on uh, on Tyrion here in a little bit later. So, by the way, in this episode pair, you've now ventured into episode four land. But yes, <laughs> yes. So. Here we are again, Joffrey again, being an asshole to his, I don't know what you call her, committed, um, his, his... Committed lady for hire? Yeah, whatever, (laughs) whatever she is, and, and basically putting her on the spot for the wrongs that he perceives of her family... And it just it's infuriating to me because it just continually reinforces to me how ill-equipped he is to rule, how little he understands about how to properly rule and gain respect. And he's just in it to like avenge and avenge. And the only thing he has at his disposal for that is Sansa who knows beyond a doubt that the only option she has, despite all the support she's given, including from Tyrion, is to pledge her commitment to the king. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and she does so again and again because that's her survival tactic. That's her only play at this time. But again, it was Tyrion being wonderful Tyrion, like having the balls to walk into court and say, what the hell are you doing, you idiot king? Mm-hmm. This is no way to treat this woman, and this is not how you get things done. I'm taking her away. <laughs> it was a wonderful scene, as most Tyrion scenes are. <laughs> yeah, Tyrion, I think, really carries 
these first bunch of episodes in the season, like the Night's Watch is interesting to watch, but that really picks up steam a little later to me. I I find the Craster thing like just so awful that I can't even like bear to think about it. So and, and I find like the scenes with the children and with Renly and all that, with the exception of Brienne and, and Marjorie, like I find that whole plot line like a little dull, but it's Tyrion who consistently holds your attention mm-hmm. as this weird amoral moral center. Yeah, absolutely. So so on that, let's back up and let's go to the plot that he launches. Oh, Tyrion playing the game three episode ways? episode three. Yeah. Yes, this was awesome. Yeah, this had my my daughters completely confused. They were they had like they couldn't, especially the way the scenes are are woven together, where he's finishing one line with one person, but he's actually beginning the conversation with another. And yep. uh, yeah, it's uh, he talks to to Pycelle, Varys, and Littlefinger, and tells each of them that he's going to marry Marcella off to a different person, and basically finds out who's loyal to him versus the queen and plays it expertly. Oh my yeah. God. It was amazing. Whatever you do, do not tell the queen regent. I mean, it was, it was masterful because he just fed them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And also like he, Tyrion is just the ultimate example of, you know what? It really pays to read books. so you say that i think partly because of an education perspective but are you thinking of like an allegory that he might have learned from reading that he's applying here i mean i just think he's smart because he reads books and he made a point of saying that earlier and all of his uh, every once in a while, he'll throw in like some random book name. It, it's kind of like he he is actually paying attention to history. I'm sure he's read like a bunch of kings and a bunch of Targaryen, you know, the the ten part Targaryen chronicles and all that. And he's just like a smart dude. Yeah, he, he drops yeah. Uh, he drops the names of ancient texts like uh, like they're Hollywood stars at a party. You know, he, he's just. Here you go. I, I know about this and I know about that. And he applies it like very skillfully. Yeah. Now I have written on here, the games men play and the women that play them better. Because it cuts oh. back to Renly and Loras. And <laughs> they're, they're kind of going through a, a tussle because Renly has not um, uh, consummated his marriage with Marjorie. And that's a point of contention between the two. And then Marjorie comes in. Of course, Marjorie is Loris's sister. Marjorie comes in and plays the role of we can do this. And then when um, when Renly is is uh, trying to bow out, kind of saying, no, this is you know not quite the right time, she actually invites to bring her brother back in to help it out. Uh- <laughs> And that blew my mind. Like, I, just for her to be that bold, it's like, of course I know what's going on here. You yeah. know? And this I love is that. This is a character-defining moment for Marjorie. This this sets you up to so, to know that she's not going to bullshit you at all. She's here. She knows the game. She's going to play. 
And, you know, this is her moving her marker right into the middle of the table as opposed to sitting on the outside waiting for something to happen. Yeah. I love the whim, the women's. (laughs) (laughs) And this is as good a time as any to talk about how in episode four, how she defends that position to Littlefinger. Littlefinger is snooping around the camps trying to find out what's going on Mm -hmm. and questions why are you in a different tent? Why aren't you staying with your husband? And she puts the, you know, she draws the line very clearly saying, I am by my husband and, you know, how we behave is none of your business, basically. Yep. Right. Uh, Marjorie is uh, is woke. <laughs> she's Westeros woke. Yeah. She she's a she's a power player and uh she yeah, she's she's amazing. She's one of my favorite characters to watch because there's always something like just looking at Natalie Dormer plays plays Marjorie and just the way that Natalie Dormer plays her every scene you can see that she's hiding something from you the viewer, let alone the other players in the show. There's always something more going on with her. She's always thinking a step ahead kind of kind of the way that Tyrion uses his wit and uh his his knowledge to kind of spit things back at you well she'll use that I know more than you know even if she doesn't she still plays that part and it's great the way she controls it yep yeah agree yeah okay so um, there was something else in episode three that I want to make sure that we don't miss and that is I'm going to probably mispronounce his name uh Theon Theon and- no that's pretty good yeah. Theon. And and he's kind of scrapping with his father and sister. And they seem to be scheming now to somehow, I don't know, as if they are deserving of some control. This is where I got lost. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so Theon was a ward to the Starks. Basically, he was their, their prisoner-like they're well they're well fed prisoner. Right. <laughs> Who has returned now in the service of, of Rob Stark to get right. his family and now his family is basically challenging his his uh, uh uh his right to the family name because he hasn't been there. He hasn't grown up on the Iron Islands. He's grown up in the Stark lands with Stark money and and Stark benefits and not the 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 Greyjoy way of life. Um, and even at one point it shows he's, he's trying to decide, you can see him torn. Does he go with his family or does he go with his loyalty to the Starks? And that culminates in him being drowned, him doing this baptism to the drowned God. Um, which if I remember right, it's this way in the books where he basically gets water washed over him. And then later on, you see other people that get baptized the same way, but they actually get drowned and have to come back from being drowned, like, you know, choking up the water and everything else. So this is like the the, the baby version of the baptism. And it, it's kind of like just a half-ass effort on, on Theon's part and in the family. And it's barely enough to, to get by with him being included with their plans. Hmm. Okay, because yeah. I really just saw that as a baptism and in as much then kind of interpreted that as an acceptance into the family. 
Like a reacceptance. Yeah. All you need yeah. to know about the Greyjoys is that they are pirates. They're essentially pirates. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're mean as fuck all the time. And they think Theon is a pussy. <laughs> Every time I say words on the show, I'm like, I am going to get fired from my day job. And they <laughs> have. Them oh, anyway. <laughs> and hey, you know, I just I just tell everybody explicit tag. Just, yep. There's going to be an explicit tag. Yeah. yeah. So and 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 they have ships. Right. And that's yeah, why they're, they're, they're just think ships. They're the fleet. that's why they're of power, because people need their ships. Yeah. But there's right. nothing on their island. Their island is a rock. So they use those ships to steal and raid along the coastline, which is like not cool. Right. And in in this um, in, in in this episode, particularly, it's basically we're going to go and, and raid the, the we're going to raid Winterfell. Because the Starks have left it. So yeah. instead of joining yep. forces with them, we're going to go behind them and take all their stuff. Great idea. Uh, maybe, maybe not. All right. So <laughs> what? one more thing that caught my attention in this episode was, and we hadn't seen them since the end of the last episode in a horrific scene, but what I'll refer to as the Bastard Brigade <laughs> is basically out, and uh, they're they're looking for Gendry, and yes. and um, so it, basically Arya ends up protecting Gendry, and it, uh, kind of confesses falsely. That no, no no the guy you were looking for you just killed him, right? She uses that quick quick wit she's been so accustomed to with getting away with things in uh, in Casterly Rock that, um, or the, in King's Landing rather. Sorry, that she directs it over towards this kid who happened to be next to Gendry's bull helmet, and their entire entire party is pretty much torn apart with um, hot pie and Gendry and Arya being some of the survivors. And being taken to Harrenhal, where it, it's this huge castle that had been at one time melted by dragon fire. And uh, the conditions there are not so good. Yeah, that place is like, the, it's just like, you know, like some places are over a hell mouth, like Harrenhal's over a hell mouth. <laughs> a hell mouth. I like that term. I have to yeah. remember that, a hell mouth. It's from Buffy so- the Vampire Slayer, the next show we're going to watch that you haven't seen. <laughs> I haven't, but I want to watch that too. I, I you know, I only saw the movie, and no, I no, think no. it's yeah, different. No, no. So why, why, why Gendry? Like, is that important? I mean, in an eon from now, a little bit. Okay, that's the uh, best I can. I would you. I would say that the the reason they're looking for Gendry now is more important now than it will you be think it's later. Gendry or Gendry? It's Gendry, right? Is it with a hard Gendry? G. Okay. Gendry. I'm I'm terrible with these names. These, no, it's that, okay. I, I just feel like I'm going like, to be screwing these up the entire time. <laughs> I'm just going to be used the, to that. I'm just going to designate myself in the role of that jerk. <laughs> no, totally. Is it jerk? I do that or with Gert, Anthony uh, all the time. That that jerket. Um. But yeah, because he he is possibly a um, a bastard of of Robert Baratheon, so right. that's why they're looking for him. That okay, that's the whole reason they're looking for him. But that becomes less important as the story goes along. Pop quiz: 
is Richard? Who's Robert Baratheon? What, you're kidding me, right? He's the <laughs> king that just died a couple Good episodes. Good job. Good job. Well played. All right. Like you think I'm not paying game. attention. It, just because I don't get the new stuff doesn't mean that I'm not paying attention. <laughs> Jeez. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. Um, so that's basically the end of, of episode three. And, and as we go into oh, episode... Isn't there one super important thing that happens with Arya? She's told a story and it launches her on her career. Oh, yes. Uh, before just, like, the, the, the night important. they get, uh, the night they get ambushed, um, she's sitting there and she can't sleep. So Yorin, the leader of the, the bastard brigade, as Richard has so put it, uh, <laughs> tells, you know, they, they discuss how it is that, that he's seen such horrific things and he can still sleep at night. And he tells her, well, I just name off the people that I have that I have problems with, and that eases me to sleep. So that night she begins her naming, and those names I actually have them written down right here mm-hmm. somewhere. Um, Let me see if I can I do them. No, ahead. I probably can't do them. <laughs> from, I was trying to think if I could do them from memory. Um, no, um, Joffrey. Mm-hmm. Um, Sir Ilan Payne. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Sansa, uh, is Cersei on the list? Cersei? She is. Yeah. See, her list has different lengths at certain points. Uh, the Hound. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have the mountain, though, right? No. Uh, well, so the first time she so says... four, the, I got four. The first time she says the list, it is King Joffrey, Cersei, Sir Ilan Payne, and the Hound. And then... Oh, I got it! And then after, by the end of the episode, she adds Polliver and the Mountain to the list. Yes. Okay. Because That's of the, wow. way, the way things are in Harrenhal. Yeah. I'm good. So this is, these are the names she starts saying every night when she goes to bed. King Joffrey, Cersei, Illyn Payne, the Hound, Polliver, the Mountain. King Joffrey, like, Cersei. Yeah. The whole Arya plotline for seasons and seasons to come. Is comes from a story by Yorin, the guy you never see again. <laughs> <laughs> That's Game of Thrones in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah, and, and again, this is back on episode two of the first season. I told you this is where her list begins, and those the two people that did her wrong at that time are the first two people in this list because they continued to do her wrong, and of course, they were responsible for the death of her father. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. So, um, we start out on this particular episode with um, with Rob winning another battle in yes. the Riverlands. <sighs> I'm it's, sorry. It's, what? Yeah, that's an accurate. <laughs> that is an accurate description of Rob um, Stark. You're going to hold that opinion to this until this particular thread ends. Until 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 this thread goes into another thread, that is your that, that is going to be your opinion on this. And even reading the books, this was the this was the part. These are the chapters. that was like, oh come on, all right. I gotta I can't read this one. Right now. I gotta I gotta read this one tomorrow when I'm wide awake. Because uh, I mean, I I have to give him credit, right? He, despite the fact that he's ill equipped and not really the right candidate, he seems to be doing well in command. Great for him. But boring for us. Mm. 
<laughs> right. Yep. Uh, this is the introduction introduction to R- Lord Roose Bolton, however. So that's an interesting addition to the list of names that you probably didn't catch because it's only mentioned in very briefly, but it will become right, very so important later. Fresh my memory. Uh, Lord Roos Bolton was the one asking Rob if he wanted to torture the people on the field to get more information, and he said he wouldn't torture ah. them because that would lead the, uh, the 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 Lannisters to torture his sisters. Right. Okay. So this is approximately, maybe at the most, I don't know. I could be wrong here. Forty-five seconds of the show, mm-hmm. and and. Your suggestion is that this is really significant, and I love that. Like, right? <laughs> like, like this. I, I just blew that off. I'm like, oh, there's some extra comes in and asks them a stupid question. Yeah, th- that'll become episodes later on. So, all right, n- never a small detail left unturned, right? <laughs> um, and of course, this is where Joffrey throws his fit, and where. Uh, where Tyrion, Tyrion comes intervenes. in and stomps him back down. Um, Tyrion gives... And, and then... Tyr- Tyrion I, receives some name day presents from... Or Tyrion provides some name day presents for King Joffrey in the form of two of the ladies uh, from from one of uh, Littlefinger's establishments. Right, because Tyrion's conclusion is that, you know what, he just probably needs to get laid. Right. <laughs> Right, he's he's just he's he's that that age where he's just strung up and needs to get laid and get that out of his system. Well, and he, this turns bad. He he gets it out of his system. <laughs> mm, yeah, um, he, this turns bad. Yeah, he has uh has has the ladies beat each other uh, profusely and uh, uh, not in in a gentle, um, sexually satisfying way. He's just a monster. Right. And he does he does all of this at at crossbow point. Yeah. He's basically a monster and he's it's interesting. Joffrey is one of those characters they just don't give a lot of shade to. He's just a child sociopath. It's more interesting to me I find Cersei's reaction to Joffrey much more interesting. Like Joffrey's just written as a monster and portrayed excellently as a monster and I challenge you guys to find me um, shades of depth in Joffrey. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no. it, it, it's funny because there have been maybe two moments that I can count to date where, or, you know, to this point in our watching, where he has suggested redeeming qualities, where he recognized that his behavior was inappropriate or that he cowered and suddenly realized that, oh, wow, I am not as strong as I thought I was. And then that's gone. Right. Blink of an eye gone. He's, yeah, he's, oh, he's, he's almost an anchor point in which to push the story along, but he, he'd sit so well that everybody hates him. No, yeah. nobody likes King Joffrey. So I actually found this scene extremely disturbing. Yeah. And there is so much shit in this show in general that is outrageously disturbing. But 
here he is in a situation where he's essentially with prostitutes and he's, you know, in a position where he can do whatever he wants to. And what he wants to do is for them to not beat each other for his amusement, but beat the shit out of each other or have one beat the mm-hmm. shit out of the other to sh- to teach his brother a lesson. I mean, it was it was horrific. Right. And yeah. they didn't even really his show uncle. the horrific, but the implication is it's horrific. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, spoiler alert, you're going to hear about this from another character's point of view a little bit later, but it it ends up exactly the way that it implies and it's it's just it's just awful and this is one of those times where if you if you had thought that Joffrey had any redeeming qualities you have to have those extinguished at this point you have to understand that he is nothing nothing good can become of him <laughs> yeah i i think i've figured that out now hey cut to the desert yeah how about karth that was a interesting city huh <laughs> yeah, this is the part of um that I call Daenerys's learning arc. <laughs> Daenerys's education. <laughs> yeah. Um this, well, is she this was the House of the Undying? Not quite. It, it, it's it's in Karth. Yes, that that is in Karth. It's that's We're part of this yet. story, but yeah, this is just the introduction where the dude with uh far too many k- sounds in his name uh, hard K's uh, comes out and, and and basically the city is going to turn her away and he stands in and says I will take this blood oath to allow her in under my protection and welcomes her and what's left of her um, of her party into the city which is good because they literally had nowhere else to go they were last leg in their way to Karth <coughs> right and here's where we get the name of the episode, right? Is that the exterior of the city, outside the wall of the city, is known as the Garden of Bones. Because if they deny you access into the city, you will die there. Right. Because there's, there's nothing anywhere near where you are for you to reach for safety. But once they open the gate and you can see in the city, you see the city is huge and it's lavish and there's... Wealth and and you know there's vegetation everywhere and they go from this desert to this it it almost looks like a painting on the other side of the of the the door that they're walking through which I'm I'm sure it was in in production aspect of it <laughs> <laughs> it's bigger on the inside <laughs> <laughs> it's Charlie Charlie and the Factory here uh yeah no so uh <clears throat> that, that was Doctor Who so anyway the 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 thing that was interesting about that is that you know she was continually pushing her limits like it's she's gone from being kind of beaten down to being in a position where she was respected to being in a position where she's a little bit maybe power hungry is the wrong word but she's a little bit full of herself in terms of the power that she wields and thinks that she can pretty much ask for anything and almost doesn't get away with it were it not for this one person. Zaro's own... If I remember... 
Zarozoandoxos. Okay, yeah. yeah, that's a lot of consonants. I'm not even going after that one. <laughs> so this one person on this, what, 13-person council mm-hmm. who would make the decision about granting access to the city, and he basically puts his life on the line. And it's interesting to note that he, too, was, and to some degree still is, an outsider in that group. Mm-hmm. And so he's standing up for the same in Daenerys. This was one of those scenes that watching it the first time, it just seemed kind of to flow naturally. Okay, well, one person is going to take a little bit of pity on her and see what's going on. Watching it again, I really keyed in on how vulnerable she was at that moment and how almost heroic Zoro Zoandoxos seems when he steps out and does this gesture. And... I'm going to I'm I'm going to pay special attention to that going to the next couple episodes because that slight difference I think will change how I perceive the next uh several encounters of in in, in that city. What I wanted to know is why couldn't she open the fucking basket and show one of the dragons? Like what was so hard about that? They you would have, have granted to show her your access. dragon to everybody that asks to see it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lesson I learned when I was very young, Jen. That's right. Just because someone wants to see your dragon, you're not obligated to show it to them. You don't just go showing your dragon to everybody. <laughs> That's right. It's your own personal dragon. <laughs> or three. Uh, or three. Uh, yeah. I just, I had a problem with that. I'm like, you have a way of guaranteeing entry, but you're not willing to do it for some reason. And I didn't understand that. I didn't know if maybe there's some reason that they couldn't be exposed to sunlight, but they've been out in the sunlight before, or maybe she's afraid that they'll be spooked, or maybe she's afraid that they'll steal them. I didn't know what it was, but I'm like, seriously. I think it's more of a power play where if if you tell them, hey, uh, let me in the city, I've got all this gold, and they say, well, let us see the gold, you show them the gold, and they're like, okay, well, you just sit out there and rot, and then we'll come get the gold after you've rotted and died. So mm-hmm. there, there's yeah. almost a moment of, of, of a power play of faith that they are who they say they are, what, that they have, what they have, you know, what they have. And I think that's exactly how she played that. And when it didn't come through, that's when this uh, Zaro guy comes in and says, okay, well, let's, 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 you know, play our game of faith and see where that takes us. It's interesting that you use that scenario too, right? Because she, in fact, says, you know, we will, if you don't gain, uh, if you don't provide us with access, we will come and we will burn your city down and kill everybody. Well, um, she just said just before that, look, we'll die if you don't let us in. Right. And, they call that. They call her out on it. They're it's, like, "Well, yeah, you're not going to do that because you just said you're going to die." It's, it's almost like a <laughs> tantrum that she throws on this. And, oh, totally. And it doesn't work it totally out is. very well for her. But yeah, she gets in the city, and that's that's what matters for now. Yeah, and you know, thank the gods for this is a or as I like to call him, Zuzu's pedals. Zuzu's pedals. Um, there are a couple other things real quick to mention on this episode. And one of those is Arya's quick wit, uh, rising again and gaining her a little spot when, uh, when Tyrion or Tywin, when Tywin recognizes that she's a girl and gets mm-hmm. her to be his new cupbearer. 
so she's not sleeping in the mud, saying the names into the the bubbles of mud in her little outdoor jail cell. Um, so let me ask: she doesn't really, uh, you know, she she basically just kind of happens into that, and I wonder: does he know who she is? Or is he just smart enough to know? Because he just comes along. And he's like, that's no boy. <laughs> that's right. clearly a girl. <laughs> like, how are you all so blind as to not see that that's a girl? Look at it. Yeah, it- <laughs> Tywin Lannister is my favorite bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> because um, he's smart. They never, ever deny him intelligence. In fact, that is the source of his. And I wouldn't necessarily say that all of his decisions are evil. They're just family first you know right they're very focused on on the loyalties that he's predisposition to okay and as far as whether or not he knows that's uh Arya stark that is a question that she will wonder for a while so i'm not going to spoil that for you because that does build up quite a bit of tension until the result comes out okay so basically it was interesting (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> come on, man. That was a spoiler by omission. Wait, 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 come on. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, and then this is where Tyrion's um, game mastery comes out, and it shows who is loyal and who is not, and yep. that Pycelle immediately ran to the queen, and Littlefinger was the one that figured it out and called him on his bluff ex post facto. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, yep. Var- Varys keeps yeah. everything very well. Var- Varys is the one that you know he keeps everything to himself. Like, Quick he- question. Mm-hmm. I know we're talking. You should probably finish that sentence that I interrupted. But <laughs> I can't believe we haven't talked about Melisandre yet. Oh, that is my that is my final point because that is the last scene of the of the episode. Okay, because oh, yeah. I'm freaking yeah. out, waiting to talk about Melisandre. Please <laughs> yeah, go ahead. That is that Finish is some weird. Point. That is some weird shit. But yeah, I mean, back back with the you know with the three of them, the results of that give you ver- three very distinct kind of character profiles, right? You have the basically the snitch. You have the. Uh, the the strategic manipulator, if you will, and you have the guy that's like, no, 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 I'm just not going to piss anybody off right now. Right. Yeah, you, you end up with three different personalities on the small council, and in one little game, Tyrion learns all three of those personalities. Right, it's exactly, and that move. was my point. That was my point. It wasn't just that he found out, okay, who's going to go running to the Queen Regent. What he found out was a little bit about what he can expect from all three of them. And that was just brilliant. Yep. And I didn't see that coming at all. Okay. And yeah, especially when Littlefinger calls him out on it and, and Tyrion doesn't even try to hide the fact that he was playing a game. He's like, yeah, I know. Yep. yep. That's what happened. Um, and then Littlefinger... Well, and those two, let's face it, those two are well-matched, Right. Oh well, yeah. Like you you go you people... go between Littlefinger, Tyrion, and um, and uh, uh, Viserys or uh, uh, Varys. So Varys, Littlefinger, and Tyrion. Those three in a head-to-head, like a three D game of chess. That's gonna go down to the wire every single time. <laughs> so yeah. All right. Finally, let's get to Melisandre. 
Melisandre has a shadow baby, and it comes out of her shadow coochie. That's all you need to know. It's the best thing ever that ever happens, and nobody will ever recover from it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I was shocked. Like, first of all, I didn't even recognize that she was large. Was she not? Like, did that just suddenly, when she took her robes off, then she was pregnant? You can, no. you can see it in when, okay, so when, uh, when Renly and Stannis meet on the field briefly and the, the red woman is there, you can see it a little bit there. They don't, they don't take a lot of efforts to hide it, but you, it's not like blatant in front of you. But as soon as she gets off the boat, with uh, Thanos, and they start going in that little cave, you can see it then. And then, of course, when she lays down, she just strips her robe off. She lays down, cocks her feet up in the air, and it's like, wait Delivers a second. Delivers a shadow baby. <laughs> also, I love that you just called Davos Thanos. Oh, because that, that reminded me of the Infinity War trailer, and I briefly was very happy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Davos. And- I'm just that ain't, that, that ain't no little baby either. Uh, that's kind of like a, a shadow monster. Yeah, that shadow had his own choices to make, and it made them with authority. <laughs> and yeah, and 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 Davos was just completely blown away. He was not not uh, not appreciative of what he what he saw. Well, I don't yeah, know about you, Davos. but I mean, you know, I've never seen black smoke shoot out of a woman's vagina to create the form of a person. Have you I not mean, visited Los Angeles? <laughs> <laughs> in Korea, they got the banana show. These are sh- easy. These are easy hits. In Korea, they got the banana show. In LA, they got the shadow show. It's just, yeah. just what happens. It's actually funny. It, have you guys watched American Gods yet? Uh, not yet. We, we, we just yeah, bought it. Halfway through. Halfway All right. Uh, uh, remind me in future uh, episodes of this show to talk to you about uh, other 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 Los Angeles hoochie coochies. <laughs> okay, because because I have seen the scenes where people are absorbed into. Yeah, yeah, the... yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So this is yeah. just the reverse of that. Is that all it is? It's just tide goes in, tide goes out. Comes um, out as black smoke. Now, was there was there anything in particular that you noticed, uh, Richard, about? Melisandre and her like her being other than the fact that she was way pregnant what and- else could you notice but the shadow baby with the arms <laughs> clawing its way out of her anyway no I'm sorry I'll stop I'll stop uh, can I say one thing about Melisandre mm. go so so far all the magic in Game of Thrones has been pretty subtle right like, correct me if I'm wrong, but the most magic you get is like uh, Daenerys is uh, fire. <laughs> dragons? Yeah. Yeah, the dragons are magical, but technically you could also just say dragons are lizards. Okay. That have gone extinct, right? Like, there's a basis in, in, in biology for a dragon. The fire part, you know, who knows? But uh, then I'm trying to think of other magic that you've seen to this point but this is the first time like they're not shy about the lord of lights followers like really having access to a deep pool of magical crazy Hmm. yeah well you got the undead up at winterfell which was very brief and kind of not really explained very well 
Um, right. You have Bran's visions, which are only magical if you reach pretty far, because it's pretty much just a matter of he's dreaming weird stuff. And right. you have Daenerys the Fireproof. So, yeah, this, right. this is the first time you really have overt magical whatever going on. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the White Walkers have a magical thing, but they walk around. They're human-ish, humanoid. You can feel that perhaps they might have been human, maybe, at some point. Like, they, they're recognizable. They've just been, you know, frostied. Um, <laughs> but this is the first, to me, the first bold face. And, and, like, Daenerys, I guess you could say, like, yeah, she came from Lava Town. Like, she does not burn easily. <laughs> Like these are all like genetically inherited <laughs> traits, right? But man, this this magic thing, this is pure on magica. Mm. Hmm. Anyway, that's all I wanted to say. And she continues to, you know, magic it up there. Yeah, interesting, interesting. You know, it's funny as you were talking about that, I was kind of confusing stories of things that I've watched recently because I also recently watched Bright. On mm. Netflix. Mm. And I don't know if you've watched that yet. And if you nope. haven't, you should. But it puts you in a world where magic is a thing. And mm. magic is not supposed to be a thing. And it's a surprise that, in fact, it is a thing. Kind of like what we're talking about now. You should totally yeah, watch that. I will now watch that. I have heard conflicting things, but I... Yeah, I know. Some people didn't like it at all. Yeah. Some people do like it. I liked it a lot. I just oh. heard today that they're going to make a sequel, and I'm happy about that. Gotcha. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about Thrones, and I think we just pretty much finished a pretty good recap of episodes Two and three, three of and season, four. Yeah. Sorry, season three and four. I'm looking at two o three. There's literally nowhere else to go after Shadow Vagina Baby. Three and four of episode Just two, and I have a hard time believing that, Jenny. I have a hard time believing that they're going to be able to top this. I believe it. I believe they'll be able to top it. Oh, and see, Richard, this is these are the episodes. This is the season where I told you a drought begins. Like, there's not a lot of major action. It's a lot of storytelling and a lot of story advancement. And we have uh, shadow vagina babies. So that kind of tells you it's it's only uphill from here, man. It just gets crazier and crazier as we go. Yeah, right. This is the slow season. Yeah, right. Okay, (laughs) good. Glad you prepped me adequately. All right. Well, for uh, for Richard, Sir Richard of the Riverlands, uh, he, may he ever reign and not die to Rob or Tywin, and uh, to Jenny of Tarth, um, and for myself, um, we'll talk to you next time when we start talking about thrones. Thrones. See ya. That was fun. That was fun. And Jenny, I sent you a message in the middle of that trying to tell you what I was, what I had noticed because I didn't want to tell Richard. Oh, wait. Where did you send it? Oh, you texted it. Damn it. It's the one thing I wasn't looking at.